Let's pray together. Almighty God, that's our prayer this morning, that you would create in us new hearts, that you wouldn't cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us, but you'd restore to us what it means to be part of your salvation family. Lord, we pray, speak to us this morning. It's been a difficult week. We pray that you would speak to us and help us, encourage us and challenge us where we need it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And if you've got a Bible uh, at home, we ask you to turn to it, to Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 14. Here in the congregations, page 1010, page 1010, we're going to look uh, at our Bible passage this morning. And I'm going to ask David if he can flick it on for me there. Uh, we've been looking at Mark's gospel again. If you flick it on, David, I've been trying to understand who is Jesus uh, and we've seen that Jesus is God's king. Uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 1 tells us the good news about Jesus Christ. Uh, and, that, and that tells us who Jesus is. He, he's God's son. He's God's king. Uh, we read in the first words that he tells us what to do about that. He says, uh, as he speaks in Mark 1 verse 15, uh, repent and believe. Two Thursdays ago, I was coming through the back door of my house uh, and uh, I had a, a pan, a, a pan of ash in my hand. I'd, I'd emptied it, come back into the door, but slipped over like a complete idiot, uh, cut the whole top off uh, two knuckles, uh, and then went into absolute shock. I've never been in shock in all my life. I've been shocked, but not got into shock. Uh, uh, and I felt my heart racing. I felt cold sweats. People talk about when they've got heart attacks. They get cold sweats and they feel nauseous. I had to sit down. Uh, I, I, I thought, my heart's going to burst here. Maybe I got to ask you this morning, how is your heart? Maybe you got to ask, are you a good heart? Now, obviously, our heart needs to be working, needs to be doing well because it's a vital organ of our body. We all need to look after them. Maybe you've been to the doctor to see how they're going. It's a wise thing to do with a father who 13 years ago had an aortic valve removed and replaced. It's something we need to look after. And this morning, we have an appointment with the doctor, Dr. Jesus. And he's going to do an examination of our hearts this morning. Now, last week we saw, as we looked at Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 13, that we're not the first into the consulting room. The Pharisees have already gone there. And we saw, uh, did we see that Jesus said to them, uh, these people honor me with their lips, verse 6, but their hearts are far from me. He's quoting there from Isaiah 29. Well, now it's our turn to be called in. And I wonder... If I ask you the question, what's going wrong with our world? Why all the fighting and the pain? Why all the viruses? Why every time we look at our TVs and see the scenes from Syria, what's going on? How would you answer me? Would you say, blame the government, blame the media, blame religion, blame our parents? Would you say there's a few rotten apples which spoil it for the rest of us? 
But in our passage this morning, Jesus is going to answer us, what is wrong with the world? And as you read through this passage, hopefully, as you heard Maureen read, you heard this word, unclean or defilement. Now that might be a strange concept to us being unclean or being defiled, but it was a major concept, it was a major understanding of Jesus' day. You see, the Jews in Jesus' day, their major concern, put it very simply, is who is and who isn't acceptable to God? Those who aren't are defiled, they're unfit to enter God's holy presence. Those who are fit can enter into the presence of Almighty God. So as we listen into this conversation here in this passage, it is really important Because if there is a God who gave us life and breath and everything else, we need to know where you and I stand before him. We need to know what is this defilement that Jesus speaks of. And we need to see what's wrong with our world. And the first thing is, first of all, to look at what doesn't cause defilement. Look there at verse 15, will you? Verse 15 of our passage. Jesus says, Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And then the disciples who don't get what Jesus is saying, they ask him about it. Uh, And so in verse 18, he repeats himself. He says, are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Defilement isn't about the outside. The food you do or don't eat. How or when you wash your hands, and I hope you are washed your hands before you came this morning and you continue to wash your hands. The clothes that you wear. Those things don't cause defilement. And we can broaden a little bit because we saw this last week. All the religious observances, they are outside of us. So whether we keep them or fail to keep them, That's not what causes the problem. And some of those things we mentioned earlier, like government policy, education, our upbringing, those things, according to Jesus, are not what's going wrong with the world. And we can imagine the Pharisees saying here, now hold on a second, Jesus. Those food laws, they're in the Bible. God gave us those. Well, Jesus says, no longer, look at the end of verse 19. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. In our Bibles, we see those words in brackets, but they're seriously important because anyone who's following the Jewish law, well, that would give them a heart attack because no one can change God's law except God. So Jesus is making a massive claim here. He's saying, I have all the authority of Almighty God. And more than that, he's saying there's a change because he has come into our world. Now, there were food laws in the Old Testament, but that didn't make a person make a person one of God's people. Rather, they were given to God's people to show that they were God's people, to point forward to Jesus. So when Jesus comes, there is no need now for food laws. So Jesus now declares all food clean. Eat what you like because, after all, nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them. 
So the problem is not from the outside. So where does defilement come from then? Let's look. What causes defilement? Well, again, verse 15. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And then verse 20, as he speaks to the disciples. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. We talk when we say what's going wrong with the world. We usually talk about something that's outside of us. Society, politics, education, background. But Jesus says, no, it's not external. It's internal. So Jesus is saying the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And immediately we want to know, well, whose heart's got the problem? And again, we go back to that discussion about the ills of society. We always point the finger somewhere else. But look at what Jesus says. Take it on board here this morning. Verse 20. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. Jesus says a person. Any person. You. Me. And everyone else in this world. And then look at verse 20. For it is from within. Out of a person's heart that our evil thoughts come. Out of mankind's heart. So it is anyone and everyone. So this heart problem is no rare condition. It's universal. Jesus is speaking about all our hearts. And therefore, as I read verses 21 to 23, Jesus could have said, for it is within, out of Brian Martin's hearts, that evil thought come. And I could read on. But of course, I don't want to. We could do the same for each one of our names. But of course, we don't want to insert our name in those verses because it's too close to home. It's as if the cardiologist brings up the results and we're tempted to say to the doctor, Doctor, are you sure those results are mine? Have you not got a a mix-up in your name? Are you sure I'm as bad as that? No, says Jesus, that's your heart and it's the same for each one of us. But you might say, hold on a wee second here. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. So how can Jesus say about this to me? Well, in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5 and 7, Jesus asked his hearers, have you ever got angry with anyone else? He said to the people, didn't he, have you ever looked lustfully at a member of the opposite sex? Jesus knows how we love to justify ourselves. We do what the Pharisees do. We change these commands into something we can keep. But Jesus says, look, you all do these things. Now, of course, we all don't do it in similar ways. Jesus would deny the way it shows itself externally would differ. Maybe that's what influences our sinfulness, our upbringing, or our society will mean that it will show itself differently. Jesus, looking at the heart, says he sees the same in you and me. This is what we're like. And I wonder if in our honest moments we would say, yeah, Jesus, you're exactly right. You see, 
as I said about fasting, fasting really shows us what we're like, doesn't it? If I don't get my food right about five or six, the kids will know I get hungry. That, that wonderful mixture of hungry and angry. Where if somebody cuts me up in the road, what's your first reaction? Oh yes, just drive on through there. Go ahead. Just work away there. It's all right. I don't mind. Or if the kids are shouting, our grandkids are shouting, our kids outside are shouting all the time, what do we say? They've got a perfect legitimate right to be outside of my house making all the noise they want. I don't think we say that at all, do we? And do you remember when we were looking at the Pharisees last week, how they got it totally all wrong? Their fanatical obsession with washing hands and the crockery, and even if you look down at your footnotes in the Bible, you'll see that they even washed the furniture that people sat on. Well, it was a classic case of missing the point. The problem's not the outside, but inside. So religious practices by the Pharisees then or by us today, they can't get at the heart of the problem. They won't help us with the problem that we're unfit, we're defiled, and we can't enter into God's presence. Now I'm aware that this news of the sermon last week, it's, it's a tough hear. Well, let me tell you, as I was preparing this, I was in two minds of preaching about coronavirus or preaching about something, because this is far from flattering. And we spend most, most of our time putting on masks and pretending we're not like this, trying to hide what we're truly like from others. And for most of the time, we do well to conceal it. Sometimes the mask slips a little time or something drops on our foot or our thumb or something like that. But if we won't accept this, well then we'll have to take it up with Jesus because this is what Jesus says. He's the king and he shows us what your heart's like and what my heart is like. Defilement is from within. And this morning we've been seen by the doctor. He's had a good look at our hearts and here are the results. We can't see each other's heart, but Jesus can. And he's given us the results. No soft soaping, straight out. But why does Jesus come at us so hard? Well, why does a patient or a doctor tell a patient that their hearts are bad? Does they take some sadistic pleasure out of telling people they've got a, 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 a heart problem? Do they? No. Look, put a finger in, in Matthew 7 for a little second, will you? Come with me to a passage we looked at in October. Come back to Mark chapter 2, will you, with me? Mark chapter 2. That should be on page 1004 is where you want to be going to. Mark chapter 2 and verse 17. It says this. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus this morning is giving us a choice. You see, if we don't see ourselves as Jesus presents our hearts, well then we're claiming to be righteous. We're claiming not to be defiled. We're claiming that we can just rock up to holy God and walk on in. We're okay, Jesus. You know, you're cross and everything. You know, we've talked about it. We sing about it. We do everything. But really, I'm okay by myself. Thanks very much. 
So look, we've been studying all the way through from Mark 1 right now into chapter 7, and we've seen Jesus as a powerful and compassionate king, one who loves and cares and reaches out to those that society would just brush past. It's a brave response to say to Jesus, I don't need you. We might even say, as we come back to Mark chapter 7, it's foolish. Which actually, if you look in verse 22 of what people's hearts are like is the last characteristic that's right at the very end there of verse 22. Do you see that? Greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly, foolishness. But if, as humbling as it is, and it is humbling to do this, I realize that this morning Jesus is talking to me. If I realize that is my heart, then that is to admit I need Jesus' help. That I am sin sick. That my heart is wrong. And then it's to remember what Jesus said again. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, we can do nothing about the state of our hearts. But Jesus can. In fact, that's his speciality. He's a speciality in sin cardiology. He deals with people with hearts like us. So let's keep listening to what Jesus says and watch what he does. We have a heart problem. We can't deal with it. But there is one who can And it could be this morning that you recognize that. And you want to say to Jesus this morning, actually, Lord, yeah, I need you to deal with my heart. And I'm going to pray a prayer that is a prayer for somebody to become a Christian. Then we're going to pray together uh, as a a congregation. But the prayer to become a Christian goes like this. Maybe you think this is a good prayer for you this morning. It says, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. If that is a prayer for you this morning, please speak to me after this service. And if you're on Facebook and you want to, you've prayed this prayer maybe for the first time, can I invite you to message me or message the parish? We'll be in touch to help you in your discipleship. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we confess that Jesus' words here challenge us to the core. But as painful as they may be, help us to see again the defilement of our hearts so that we wouldn't make any attempt to 
to not deal with this. Instead, would we come to the King who came not for the righteous, but for sinners. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.